the Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life, in the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and this is our In the News for May, which, as a reminder, is our monthly roundup of news items and other things that we found interesting from the past month. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list of all the important and relevant things happening in the world around us. It's simply a collection of items that stood out for us that we think are worth knowing about and want to share with you. We're going to go ahead and dive right in. We have a really interesting one to kick us off, and that is the announcement that the Supreme Court is going to take up the issue of abortion. For those of you who may not be familiar with the the rhythms of the Supreme Court, essentially what that means is they have selected one of their cases for the coming year to be um, a case that we're going to talk about shortly. And what that means is starting this September, they will officially take it up for consideration and discussion and evaluation amongst themselves. As that happens, they typically each year start announcing their their verdicts or their their rulings, I suppose Mm -hmm. would be the official word for that, around this time. So spring is a big time each year where where all of us learn these final big decisions that are being made by the Supreme Court. And so again, September, they'll officially start the discussion about this. And then by next spring, roughly this time, we'll have the announcement of of the outpourings. But tell us a little bit about what's happening. Real quick, it's actually October. I thought you told me it was September. No, October. nine uh, Nine month term. So probably we'll have a ruling that will be announced next June, maybe May. Yeah. So it, so that's when those will come out. So maybe if we're still around in a year, the Modern Cloister and the news will be dis- discussing yes. the ruling. So uh, hopefully, you know, if y'all keep uh, rate writing uh, and subscribing, subscribing and reviewing, then we'll be there. But anyway, so what, what are we talking about is uh, the Mississippi case. And so what happened, I guess, to give a little background, they passed a law that said no abortions, interestingly, after 15 weeks. And what is unique about this case is there's almost no exceptions. I believe it's only life of the mother. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that was, I believe, upheld at the first case. And then, you know, it goes to the courts, but its most recent ruling, it has been struck down. So, typically, the Supreme Court only, I shouldn't say only, but generally, they pick up something that they are going to reverse. Um, so a lot of um, abortion, I guess, rights advocates mm-hmm. are very concerned that this is going to get rid of abortion. Uh, a lot of Christians and, and people who are pro-life, anti-abortion, I'm fine with that, is uh, they kind of have some hope. Now, the unique part in this I think people should be aware of is this is not the most restrictive case. There are many, many others. Uh, for instance, Georgia passed one um, where we live. There's what's called the the heartbeat laws. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, gosh, I want to say like nine of them right now. And they typically, so what that rule is, if you can hear a heartbeat, you can't have an abortion, mm-hmm. right? So that's typically between four, six, eight weeks, depending on who you talk to and how you're counting. Um, but those have all kept in the rape and incest uh, as well mm-hmm. as life of the mother. So... Mississippi's is not as restrictive in terms of length at 15 weeks, but it doesn't have these exceptions. So people who are, I guess, supporting abortion are, are saying this may be an instance that it's being picked up to specifically point out the fact that it isn't carving out exceptions. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're going to overturn the lower court, which which was allows these restrictions, but instead it's going to point out that they don't find the they're going to strike down the lack of exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that would be a disappointment to many people uh, because they're expecting that this will... Um, well, so actually I should say there's a couple levels. People say it's going to end abortion. It won't. People say it's an overturning of Roe. It is also not. Technically what it would be is an overturning in a sense or a tightening of uh, what's called Casey. It's Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I believe it was 92. And that's what, uh, you know, if you were of a certain age, you remember the huge discussion all through the 90s, a little bit early 2000s of viability. Mm-hmm. So you could have an abortion up to viability. Now, they never gave you the weeks because, of course, of medical science uh, moving, the viability is getting younger and younger. So it basically, so this rule at 15 weeks is a violation of Casey. Yeah, and I, I think this is important for us to, to think about as Christians because, of course, well, and, and I know you're saying that w- what it wouldn't do, but it, it would provide restrictions. Yes. It would yes. absolutely restrict people's ability to get abortions. It would which, be a step in the right direction. It would. And, and, and of course, as Christians, that you know, we, we should be in the pro-life camp and protecting mm-hmm. of all life. And so, you know, as we enter this discussion, even bring it forward, I think it's important to, to remind us all of that, but also to, to state our perspective on it. And I think I'm particularly sensitive to that only because mm-hmm. as we've engaged in some of these discussions before, in fact, surrounding the, the, the 2016 election itself in stating, um, you know, voting preferences and that we weren't voting for Trump. We actually had a, a former mentor, Bible teacher, et cetera, believe that since we were not voting for Trump and they're for, I guess, by association, we're okay with abortion as his mind. He basically right. said, we must have fallen away from the faith entirely mm-hmm. and accused us, essentially, of no longer being Christians because of that, despite stating very, very clearly and openly that we are not in support of abortion in any way at all. And so if this comes through and they, they do make the, re- the the ruling that we hope they make, that is a cause for rejoicing from that camp. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to know that that's happening and also be aware that these will be discussions that will be in the public space quite heavily as they mm-hmm. go forth and do this too. And so I think it's important for us to be ready to enter into those um, in, in a good way as well. Right, because I think the ruling will go one of two ways. One, it, it'll be, it'll overturn the lower court, which mm-hmm. which is upholding the Mississippi. So it will go to 15. Then it can kind of spread out. Maybe other states will adopt the 15 or the next thing will be challenged will be these six, eight week ones. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the exception one, well, it'll probably still go. These 16, six and eight weeks will go. But I would say if the heartbeat bills are struck down in the future and this bill is struck down, it, I think we're done. I, I think you just have to throw abortion. Like, And that's personally what I feel now. I've written about this um, a few times, a few places, um, especially on, you know, uh, Monday Morning Theologian, uh, prior to the previous election in 2016, I wrote how I didn't think Christians should be single-issue voters, <laughs> and just because you don't vote for Trump doesn't mean you want to have an abortion. I mean, it's a ridiculous... Um, anyway, because there's so, so many other ways for us to lower abortion, and of course, getting judges to overturn Roe does not get rid of abortion. I think a lot of people are confused on this. Roe only said that states cannot ban it. So if Roe is overturned, abortion is still illegal in America, but some states can ban it. So I think people should really think about where they're putting their hope and their political focus here. Um, But if we do get it overturned, uh, that is the lower court, so upholding the Mississippi ruling, it'd be really interesting to see how far we can take these restrictions, you know, how many lives we can save, what we can do uh, health-wise, and there is, uh, of course, a, a political aspect to this. Um, you know, not only the life aspect, but 
all the time during the election, you know, is told, yeah, we can compromise our morals. Um, we, we can ignore character and all because we'll get judges. So <laughs> if, if Roe, Casey, all the, all the precedents of 50 years hold, then all of it will be for nothing. And the divisiveness brought on for Trump into evangelicals will honestly be for, for nothing at this mm-hmm. point, right? So, Yeah, so I think it's important for us to know. So with that, I think we'll move on to the next one. But it's just something to be aware of over the next year as we enter into some of that. And as Kevin said, if we're still around in a year, we will definitely be following this one mm-hmm. for sure. And hopefully bringing forth an update on a ruling that definitely protects life. Next thing on our list is the fact that Russell Moore has left the SBC. I know it seems like we talk about the SBC a lot in the in the news. Which is the Southern Baptist Convention. Which is the Southern so. Baptist Convention. And that has been true so far. Um, <laughs> it's not the only thing we'll ever talk about. So for those of you who are like, goodness, you're bringing up the SBC again. We should say we're also not, we're not Southern Baptist. We're not so. currently, yeah, we're not SBC members ourselves in any way. But I think the reason that they're in the news so much and the fact that we talk about them is because they are one of the most influential Christian bodies within the the United States. They're mm-hmm. they're enormous. So they're I think the they're, most important. Th- they're the biggest denomination. Sure. They have some of the, the the widest reach. And there are even and we talk about this often. There are so many churches who think that that they're non denominational. Come to find out later that they actually are a member of the SBC, mm-hmm. or even without that official designation, are are very much in line with the, the way SBC churches are, are run and are governed and, and worship and all those things. So they're just hugely influential. So anytime that a story comes up about them and they've been in the news so much, it's important for us to know because it does shape our culture as Christians. Right. A lot of, you know, obviously, if you are an independent, non-nominational, whatever you want to call yourself, Bible church, you are essentially a Southern Baptist church, especially if you're convert conservative evangelical. Mm-hmm. You're essentially a Southern Baptist church, but without the connection to other bodies mm-hmm. and the lack of seminaries and mission organizations. So uh, you're probably listening to a lot of the same people, you know, Mark mm-hmm. Dever, uh, a lot of the people involved in the Gospel Coalition, though there's a good bit of Presbyterians, but it's 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 all impacting what what we do, what we read, our articles, um, commentaries, books. Crossway is hugely influenced by, and Crossway is the best Christian publisher out there, I'd say. Yeah. And you know they're putting out books that really are impacting people's lives. And the reason we bring up m- more leaving is kind of related to how we wrapped up the last segment was. It, the division in the SBC, and I guess I should state, the SBC is about to elect a new president mm-hmm. of it. And, and I think that's why they've been in the news so much lately, because you have people being pushed out. Now, of course, more officially resigned, mm-hmm. um, but people have been stopping donations to the Ethics and Religious Life, which is what he was the president of. It's the kind of lobbyist and public theology arm, I guess you could call it. And people have said, we're not going to give our money that we send to the denomination mm-hmm. anymore until more is gone mm-hmm. and what's fascinating right now is uh more of course is staying in the sbc he's just no longer going to be the president there yeah. and he's taking a job at christianity today uh he has said he plans to remain i guess in nashville a member of a mm-hmm. church the sbc church uh but his influence is going away whereas there's a rising star who is a blatant atheist. He will tell you he's an atheist. He does not believe in God. I believe he's a math professor. It could be computer science. I'm not quite sure. But right now, he's kind of the rising star, and he is the public theology voice of the SBC right now uh, because the important thing seems to be attacking wokeness and protecting Trump. And um, uh, we're not trying to make this so Trump-heavy, but the impacts are still just here 
where when we were kind of in college and in grad school and that we, we were a member in SBC church at one point, um, the Calvinism was the big argument of the day, which of course is nothing new. That goes back to particular and free will Baptist. It goes back to, um, you know, Arminius and Calvin 500 years ago and goes back to Pelagius and Augustine 1500 years ago. But that was a theological topic. Mm -hmm. What's dividing the SBC is not theology. It's not ecclesiology. It's, it's nothing but biblical. It is just straight politics. Mm -hmm. And that is honestly just distressing. Yeah, it is a little bit. And I think, uh, well, that's probably a good segue into our next topic because it's somewhat related. As far as the, the, the overlap of, of the church and I guess we call just nationalism in general and the, and the place of, of the U.S. in people's minds, there was an announcement in, in the past month that there is a new Bible being released, and I believe, I believe it's by Zondervan, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's called, I kid you not, the God Bless the USA Bible. Mm-hmm. What is unique about this Bible is that what you get is not just the Bible inside the covers. You also have binded alongside the words of God. You have the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Pledge of Allegiance. Which I should point out was written by a socialist. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I wish more people knew that. But such, go a, on. such a good detail there. And also a handwritten chorus to the song, God Bless America, or God Bless the USA, I guess one of the same, by Lee Greenwood, no, who was the writer of the song. Oh, yeah, I guess God it Bless is. America is an old song. God Bless <laughs> the true. USA is what's played at Stone Mountain. Yes, correct. Okay. But anyway, so, so you have, there's an, a new Bible that you can go out and purchase um, through Zondervan. It's an NIV Bible. Well, there's... pre-release because it comes out oh, for that's true. real no, that, September this is true. 11th this of is this true. year. September 11th. That is, I'm glad you remember that. Because that's yes. an important mark so, for the Bible. So, so you have, you, you have this, this book that people can go purchase that will have all these documents right up next to each other in the same binding, which by the nature of putting them in the same book puts them symbolically of equal importance. And I think that's the scary thing is that they're, they're, they're putting them together and basically saying like, you should conflate these as part of one big area for us. And, and I think that's where it the, the line between mm-hmm. our role as citizens of this country and our role as citizens of the kingdom of God has become blurred because it's making them seem like they're one and the same and they're not. And I think it's troubling. I think we all need to be aware of it. If you see a copy of this out in the world by one of your friends, after it's officially out, mm-hmm. I think I think us bringing this forward is so that you will know what it is in advance and can be mindful of that because I think it's just going to further this, this I don't know, uh, Christianity being American freedom and like the, the, the right. connection yeah. between these two. So one reason we wanted to bring this up, we were originally going to bring it up as a joke, but it's actually kind of caught some traction in the news. And we'll, we'll link an article, and it's from an English-speaking non-American, um, I believe out of Australia, that uh, he's a pastor and of course all, all the english-speaking christians outside of america really look to us because we have cultural influence um that they haven't had in decades generations um and, and also you know we have all the publishers we have all the seminaries so what we do kind of impacts and he had a great line uh that pointed out like if you can't take your bible across a border <laughs> then there's mm-hmm. something wrong with your Bible because this is for all people mm-hmm. at all times. That's a good point too, yeah. Uh, and of course, he's speaking English, speaking obviously taking my English Bible to uh, Germany. Of course, most of them speak English there, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and what's what's weird about this is con- conservative evangelicals uh, like us have had issues in the past with study Bibles. Now, this isn't a study Bible. It doesn't have any study notes, um, unlike 
something that already exists called the Patriots Bible, uh, which just has poorly written false narratives of history by someone with no accredited degrees, um, which is still on a study Bible, it's just weird notes in it. And I guess they're dropping that and replacing it with this. And one of the arguments people have had for years is study Bibles are maybe dangerous or disingenuous, mm. or we need to be careful with them. That's why some people like separate commentaries, because it puts notes in there that people may equate with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Same things with creeds and confessions. A lot of, um, you know, a Lutheran denomination may, may put like the Heidelberg Catechism in their study Bible um, for more non-denominational, evangelical, Baptist, like we were saying earlier. They don't like putting creeds and confessions in there, um, one, because they may reject them, but also you don't want to elevate it to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And to put the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence in a Bible is just a weird um, fusion? It is, sort well, of it, syncretism? It is, and it's just going to reinforce that, that stat, and I think we shared this on a recent episode about the number, the percentage of, of self-identified oh, right. evangelicals that believe the U.S. Constitution is yeah. the inspired Word of God, and I don't remember the, the they percentage, it but was in, it was... Not the Word of God, but it was inspired, it was inspired by, by God, God. And it's somewhere in the 30%. Which is much so. higher than I would have ever guessed it would be, and so I think that is just going to, like, the presence of it up against Scripture in the same book is is going to continually reinforce that, not with everybody, mm-hmm. of course, and we hope no, that, right, you, right. you know, you're listening to this right now, you would be among those who would say, hey, yeah, no, that's not the Word of God, but... But this is out there, and it is going to continue to be reinforced by its presence in this book. And, and I'm sure that sales will be through the roof in certain pockets, especially as as we get closer to the release date mm-hmm. and it becomes way more public after it's you know officially out. So definitely something to be aware of. And I think those points about the international aspect of it are really important for us to understand, too, because we're not a Christian nation. We're not the only people that God cares about and that God promises mm-hmm. to bless. And it just goes to this point of like our our focus as Christians needs to be not on serving our country first, but on serving our God first and the mm-hmm. kingdom of God we're first. And, of and, yeah, we're citizens first. of the kingdom first. And so it's just all kinds of just not good. <laughs> of course, that doesn't mean like being proud to be an American is, is obviously not wrong. Like, yeah, I'm that's very, fine. Um, I'm, I consider myself Southern, yeah, as a lot absolutely. of Southerners do before an American. Yep. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And I think there's some cool stuff. Of course, there's terrible stuff. You have to mention that. Um, and it usually is. But... There's nothing wrong with loving your country, love being born here. Um, I will probably never leave Georgia. I never have. Yeah. Um, I should say living. I've traveled. <laughs> <laughs> that's, good, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never leave. And and, uh, and I think that's fine. But it's where's your allegiance, really? And really what's worse and which one comes first is when you start fusing the two and the mm-hmm. syncretism of God and country, regardless of where it is or why it is, it's just not, uh, you, you know, Read Peter, read Paul, just read the New Testament. It, we're just, we're citizens, you know, aliens in this world, that mm-hmm, sort of, absolutely. so yeah. it's distressing. It is. All right, well, moving along, we'll do our, our final one, and this, this should come as no surprise. It felt like we couldn't go this episode without bringing up the fact that the CDC has released new guidelines for how to exist in the world if you are vaccinated, and this has far-reaching implications for, for people, for businesses, for organizations, and of course, by the nature of that, for churches as mm-hmm. well. You know, now that um, that guidance has been released, those of us who are vaccinated are, are you know, encouraged to feel free to be inside together without wearing masks, without distancing, because the efficacy of the vaccine has proven itself to be very, very, very high. And that is, you know, it, both an exciting component of, of the announcement and points to this light at the end of the proverbial tunnel I know we're all mm-hmm. waiting for, of like, hey, it's coming, the end is near, we're we're going to be coming out on the other side, but it has also caused confusion for how to now exist in this, you know, in this kind of mixed dynamic where some people are vaccinated and some people aren't and how to 
you know, how do our churches, how do our organizations exist in those spaces for the next several months? And I know that, that we've, you know, we've heard different approaches to that and, right. and some of those discussions are, are underway. Yeah, to be clear, the guidelines say if you're vaccinated, if you're indoors, you don't need a mask. Actually, I think they've gotten rid of all, no, public transit, hospitals, and nursing homes. For, yeah, there are a couple of restrictions. For um, yeah. people who are vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, it's pretty much everything indoors, any sort of crowd. Mm-hmm. Um you you should be wearing it and uh you know it, being in georgia we've been technically open since last may mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we never really had quite the restrictions a lot of other places do and it's been it's been distressing that so many people will point to the guidelines and then not follow it um i know someone that likes to point out that there's a there's a lack of nuance yeah. in american you know especially our individualistic nature and our kind of protestant and rebellious nature is that um, you know, we just do what's right in our own eyes. And so we have this guidance. It's, it's pretty clear if you're, you know, you should say, uh, you can take it off if you're vaccinated. If not, please wear a mask. Very simple. No one that I've seen is doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are churches that have said, all right, in light of this, we're getting rid of all masks and moving forward. So not following the guidelines. Of course, many churches haven't had masks for months mm-hmm. uh, and have ne- never followed the guidelines. And then, of course, on the other hand, there's churches in some places are saying, no, we're going to keep them all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, there's there's fairly clear guidance. Now, you can reject the guidance. I guess that's fine. But don't point the guidance and saying we're going to follow it. And what's even more frustrating for our brothers and sisters in um, some Democratic states that have had restrictions on size, they're requiring masks for crowds indoors, is some of those governors are still refusing to follow the guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, masks were necessary. We had to get through it. You know, we're still up 600 people a day are dying, but, you know, it's better than the 3,000 or whatever we hit earlier. And so we are, like you said, lighting a tunnel. We're probably a month or two away maybe from getting rid of all restrictions everywhere. I, I could see CDC mm-hmm. guidance saying, here it is, it is what it is, and maybe July or August. Um, but you still have a ton of people just not following. I have friends in, in California, and they have kept they've kept the guidelines. And masks were necessary. Masks are now not necessary for all, those of us who have been vaccinated. And they're just annoying. It's really annoying to wear a mask. I had to wear one um, for a public meeting I was in that was seven hours long, and it just <laughs> so sucks. Good. And so I have a new appreciation for all the doctors and nurses and everyone in hospitals who have to wear them all day. But I get it. It's annoying. Um, but, man, if we could just follow some guidance and some reason, it, it'd be nice. Yeah. I know as we as we head toward, um, you know, from that church perspective in particular, um, we were able to go to church the other day for the first time without masks since mm-hmm. we are vaccinated and, and several people in our church were able to do the same. And there were, there were enough people in that camp that when we were worshiping together, you know, one of the things that I know we're all excited for, but that we got to experience. And so it's just one of those personal stories to share is that we got to hear each other's voices again in worship, which is really powerful. And I, by the nature of how the announcement fell and, and where I was scheduled to be part of that, I actually had the, you know, the, the place of leading our congregation that particular Sunday when it was the first chance that many of us had to do that. And it was really emotional. Mm-hmm. I found myself tearing up as I was as I was hearing the voices of my brothers and sisters singing after not having heard them for a year. And it was such a fresh reminder of the goodness of God's provision in giving us brothers and sisters to worship alongside. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what happens in corporate worship is the edification of other believers. We hear other people singing the truths that we know, and it reinforces that truth within our hearts. And it's just this, it just, it builds upon itself while we're worshiping God. It's also building us up as a church. And it was just, I mean, 
you were there for it. I know several other people um, that we were able to talk with afterward talked about the moment of hearing voices. And there was a neat moment in particular where we actually stopped all instruments and we just heard the voices, which a lot of churches typically do. But, you know, for the past year, if you've done that, it hasn't really mattered because the point is to hear voices, but you haven't because they've been covered with masks. So it was a really neat moment to, to hear that, to see that. And, you know, just as a, as a fun thing, as we, as we wrap up, I think that's a, a nice positive place to leave it and to think of, of what we get to look forward to as a community in the next couple months as we yeah. start mm-hmm. having that and start living in that again. And, you know, just a reminder of the things we should never overlook, I think, that we get to do each week for mm-hmm. sure. So I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Yep. You, uh, always you, good to have some hope. Yeah, always good to end on hope. <laughs> um, if you have been listening to us and had the thought, how in the world could they not have talked about this? Enter anything in there that you might be thinking. We definitely want to invite you to share your ideas with us. So we're gonna we're gonna open up, especially as we head into the month of June. If you see, I don't know, yeah, a, a, a story somewhere, mm-hmm. a, a news article, something you see online somewhere, or just something of interest that you say, hey, this could be, you know, interesting to hear about on the in the news wrap up, and you want to mm-hmm. send it our way, we would love to hear from you and have that on consideration for us as we think about what this looks like in June. With that, I think we'll go ahead and close. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That helps you get it in your your podcast player quickly and helps us continue to build our reach as we're continuing to grow this uh, this community conversation. And you can connect with us online. Yep, I'm on the gram now, where you, you can uh, you can you can find me at uh, Kevin Reviews Books, where as the name implies, we discuss the breeding of parakeets. <laughs> and you can find me on the Kevin Turner at Twitter. If you guys haven't noticed, I think each time we, we talk about where we are online, Kevin tries to break me and see if I can just like bust out in laughter because of the funny things he mentions. The mm-hmm. breeding of parakeets is a good one. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carissa Turner, and uh, you can find us online at moderncloister.com. Oh, yeah, and you yeah. can also send over your, if you have ideas for things you would love to hear talked about on the In the News or on any of our podcast episodes, you can reach us at moderncloister at gmail.com or connect with us through either one of those social media accounts too. With that, we'll see you next time. Bye.